I, you know, if, if you're an American right now, um, it's, it's easy to, to recognize that, that things are not the way they should be. As I read about uh, the impeachment, uh, everything surrounding that, you just think, this, this, is, this is broken. This is not the way it's supposed to be. You can look at Hong Kong, and you think, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I was talking with my mother-in-law yesterday. She's talking to me about South Korea and, and things that are going on there, and, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. You look at Venezuela. It's not the way it's supposed to be. All around the world, we, we see brokenness in human government. Last week, we talked about the problem of modern-day slavery. There are 43 million slaves in the world today. 43 million people enslaved. This year, 2019, on Easter Sunday, there were three bombings, church bombings in Sri Lanka, 250 killed and over 500 wounded. Recently, a pastor kidnapped in Nigeria. Ongoing uh, terrorist attacks in, in northern Kenya, Muslim or, or Christian. It's all over the world. We know that there is brokenness. And there's a cry from the people in Hong Kong. There's a, a cry from the people in the States and from around the world. That who can fix this? Who can make this right? Who can, can bring us into a place of peace and prosperity? And when Jesus was born, his, his day, the people of Israel were in the same place. Their country was occupied by Rome and Rome brought peace to the world, but they brought it through violence. Rome brought, brought peace through crushing the opposition, through killing those who would rise up against them and enforcing their peace through heavy taxation, through oppression. And so Rome was wonderful for some. It was oppressive for others. And, and the Jews were an occupied people longing for peace, longing for freedom. And I think we can relate to that because we look at the governments that we have and there's this longing of who can fix this. And every four years or so, depending on the election cycle, there's this desire, well, maybe this is the election where it gets fixed. Maybe this is the moment Maybe this is the year where things will be okay, but what we know is it doesn't get fixed. Even when our candidate gets elected, it doesn't get fixed. And so what do we do with this cry that we know the world is not the way it's supposed to be? We have this longing for peace, this longing for freedom, this longing for, to live in harmony for, with others. Zechariah, the one who spoke the words that Karen read, was in that same place with the same 
longings, perhaps more intense than our longings. And he says this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Isn't that something we all want? Every nation wants to be saved from the hand of their enemies, to be redeemed, to live in peace. Well, the Jews had this promise that God gave them 700 years before. 700 years before, he spoke through a, a man named Isaiah. And he, Isaiah saw God acting in, in human history, but actually acting in the future. He looked forward to the day that God would make things right. And Isaiah chapter 9 and chapter 11 and chapter 53 look forward to this day. And, and the picture that Isaiah gives us is, is startling. And Zechariah is calling back to Isaiah. And he's saying God is fulfilling his promise. And what is that promise? Well, if you're in Isaiah chapter 9... It says, the people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy, and they rejoice before you. Further down, it says, every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So Zechariah is calling us back to what Isaiah said 700 years before, that, that one day God is going to give a child, and when this child rules, all war will cease. And not only will war cease, but he will lead the government. And who is he? He's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You see, when he rules, he'll rule with wisdom. He'll rule with righteousness and he won't be a, a full one-term leader or a two-term leader. He will be a leader forever. And you can see how, how this speaks to the deepest longings of our heart for stability and peace and righteousness. In Isaiah 11, Isaiah continues talking about what will happen and it says that the servant will, his delight will be in the fear of the Lord and he won't judge by what his eyes see or, or dis decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. This is the longing of 
people, that the poor would have justice, that it wouldn't just be the rich and the wealthy and the connected who get things to turn out the way they want because they have influence, but those who have no influence, those who have no power are able to live in justice. Isaiah is looking forward to this day. He's telling us this day will come and not only will it impact human relationships, it will impact the creation, that animals and creation will live in harmony. It says the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child, the toddler, will put his hand in the snake's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. There's this picture of the rule of, of God's chosen one will bring peace and harmony in, in such a way that even animals that would attack each other are at peace. That animals that would attack humans are at peace. It's not just peace in government, it's peace in relationships. And God promising this 700 years before, Zechariah is now calling us back. Zechariah spoke these words at the birth of his son. An angel visited him and said, Zechariah, you will give birth to a, your wife will give birth to a son and you will call him John. He will be great before the Lord. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord, a people prepared to make ready for the Lord. You see, John was a baby who was born to prepare people for Jesus. God was finally coming to fulfill this prophecy that he would make all things right and that he would establish justice on earth. And so Zechariah is proclaiming praise to God, bless God, because he has redeemed his people he has raised up a horn of salvation. What does a horn do? The horn of an animal is to defend against enemies, to attack and defeat enemies. And so he is saying, God has brought us a victor, a savior who will set us free from those who oppress us. But what's interesting is Zechariah makes a, he makes a transition. He goes from talking about the, the government level, the national level, and now he talks at an individual level for he says this. That we are be, being delivered from the hand of our enemies that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people. 
in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So he starts out talking about oppressive governments and then he turns and he talks about individual sin. It's quite the contrast. It's quite the change. Why does Zechariah go from talking about this savior of nations to the savior of individuals? And, you know, we all have longing for peace at a government level. We long for peace in the markets. We long for peace for education. We long for peace with other nations. But what about peace in your family? Because no matter who gets elected in 2020, they're not going to bring peace to your family. No matter who gets elected in 2020, they're not going to bring peace to your mind, to your heart, to your marriage, to your children. You see, we have a longing, humans have a longing for peace in our government. And sometimes we can think that if we have the right government in power, that will fix everything. But it doesn't fix us. What good is a righteous government if we have a broken family? What good is peace in the nation if there is conflict and strife in my marriage? Who can save my family? Who can save my heart? You see, we have a longing that God would end evil and suffering. Everyone wishes, why doesn't God just step in and end the suffering? But and the evil that's happening. But the reality is, is the evil is not something out there. Evil is something in here. Evil is just an expression of what is in our hearts. Because in our hearts is the selfishness and the greed that causes modern day slavery. In our hearts is the lust that causes sexual assault victims. It's in the heart that evil comes forth. And so you can't just end evil. You have to deal with the heart. If God were to end evil today, he would end humanity. Because it's in our hearts. And so we need more than a political savior. We need more than a political redeemer. We need someone who can redeem what is in the deepest parts of me. Can you undo the selfishness in your heart? Have you ever taken credit for someone else's work because you wanted a promotion? Have you ever taken credit 
for someone else's work and school? Have you ever sat by while someone else was attacked or ridiculed because you wanted to protect your own reputation? Have you ever spoken to someone in anger? Have you ever bullied someone? Have you ever broken someone? Have you ever, in your pride, allowed someone to be isolated from you? We could go on and on and on, and I think we'd all say, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Because the problem of sin is not somewhere out there. The problem of evil is not somewhere out there. The problem of evil is in here. And I can try and try and try and make resolution after resolution after resolution, but it is not enough to fix the mess that I've created. And so what good is a political savior if I remain broken, if my family remains broken? Who can save us from this? And this is what Christmas is about. God not just saving the government, but saving individuals. God not just making laws right, but making people right. The Bible teaches us that each one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each one of us stands before God condemned. And it even says that we are God's enemies because of our behavior, because of our sin. And what did Rome do with its enemies? Rome brought peace by crushing its enemies by rolling over its enemies, by trampling its enemies, by putting to death its enemies. So how will God deal with his enemies? Will he crush his enemies to bring peace to the earth? And the answer is no. Instead of crushing his enemies, God will not send an army, he will send a child and that child will be crushed by God's enemies. God's way of resolving evil is to crush his son. And Isaiah points us toward this incredible future and how do we move from the brokenness we're in to this beautiful world that Isaiah describes? Well, he tells us in chapter 53, Isaiah chapter 53, this same Messiah, this same wonderful counselor, this same mighty God will be rejected by the ones he came to save. Isaiah tells us, that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. The one that God sent was rejected and despised. It says, surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He came 
to carry the pain, the brokenness that we hold, the sorrow in our heart, the depression that we have, that God sent his son to carry these things on our behalf, and yet we believe that God was punishing him. And then it it goes on, It, it says he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. You see, the story of Christmas is God crushing his son on our behalf. Because you and I cannot handle the punishment of God. We cannot survive the wrath of God for our sins. But his son could. His son was the one who could bear it. His son was the one who could make his way through it. His son was the one who could hold it. And so God sent a son. He did not send an army to defeat evil. He sent a child. How do we end violence? How do we end oppression? We end it with violence. But violence only begets violence. And you may be able to enforce peace like Rome through the point of a sword But that doesn't change the heart. And God wants the heart to be healed. God wants the individual to be healed. God wants the family to be healed. And there is no policy a government can enact that will bring peace to your family. And so he sends a savior to bring peace to our hearts first. The first issue is sin in our lives. The first issue that God wants to deal with is is reconciling us to himself. Because ever since Adam and Eve, ever since the beginning of humanity, mankind has been separated from God because you cannot mix sin of humanity with God's holiness. And yet God has a longing for us to be his family. God has a longing for us to be united with him. And the only path to peace is through his son dying on a cross to take the punishment we deserve. And Zechariah looks forward to that day. And he says to his son, John, you will go before him to prepare his way to give knowledge of salvation to his people. It says the tender mercy of our God has risen upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. This passage is quoting another passage from Isaiah it talks about northern Israel. Zebulun and Naphtali, the region of Galilee, they were the first ones to go into exile. They were first, the first ones to be decimated by the Assyrian army, to be refugees, to be crushed. 
the people who live in darkness. God is after the people who are broken and hurting and blind and feel like they're living in the shadow of death. You see, if you are sitting in darkness, you can't find your way out. Every religion, every other religion requires that people go and find God. That they go and seek God. But if you are stuck in darkness, how can you seek? How can you find? You can't. People who are in darkness stay put. And so what is God saying? He is saying, I am coming to rescue you. I am coming to find you. I am looking for you. And you may feel like your life is in the shadow of death and your life may be in the shadow of death. And the pain that you've gone through may have brought so much darkness to your life. But this is why Jesus came. To undo the darkness. To shine the light of God. To guide people into the path of peace. To do what you could not do yourself. To make you holy and righteous. Notice he says to guide our feet into the way of peace. Rome brought peace by forcing people at the point of a sword or a spear. God is a guide. Jesus is a guide. You can refuse a guide. You can ignore a guide. You can walk away from a guide. If you go on a tour with a tour guide, you can move away. It's a choice to follow a guide. It's a choice to follow God. It's a choice to walk in the way of peace. It's a choice to be with him. God has given you the option. He's given you the decision. Do you want to walk in peace or do you want to walk in your way? And what the Bible would say is when we walk in our way, it brings darkness. Why? Because in our heart is the selfishness. In our heart is the pride. In the heart is anger. And so when we bring those things into our relationships, it doesn't bring life. It brings darkness. But when we walk in the way of Jesus, when we walk with Jesus, Jesus brings peace to our relationships, to our families to our nations, but it's our choice. And so this Christmas, I would ask you, do you feel like you're sitting in darkness? Do you feel like you can be in a crowded room with people you know and yet be absolutely isolated? Do you feel do you feel like you have this longing at Christmas for your family to be together and yet when your family is in the same room is the conflict that you 
wish you never had? Who can bring peace? Jesus came to bring you peace. Jesus came to guide you into peace. Peace with God, peace with others, peace in your family. And you can spend your whole life pursuing your career thinking it will give you peace or your whole life pursuing possessions thinking they will give you peace or your whole life pursuing a relationship thinking that once I get this relationship, once I get married, once I get this house, once I get this job, once I get kids, once I get this, that suddenly my life will come together. But we know that that is not the case because you were not designed for a house You were not designed for money. You were not designed for a human relationship. You were designed for God. And your heart will not be at peace until you find your home in the house that you were created for. And Jesus is the way to that house. Jesus is the Google Maps that wants to bring you to the house of God. When I go out in Taiwan and I can't read any of the street signs and I'm driving in my car, as long as I have Google with me, I am fearless. I will get there. I may make a wrong turn or two or seven, but I will get there. And Google says, you've arrived at your destination. And I stop driving when I reach my destination. What's your GPS for life? What's your GPS for life? Maybe your GPS is career, and you think the destination is career or money or marriage or pleasing your parents. And you know what? You may be holding a a device that is guiding you to that, but even when you get there, your heart knows this is not my home. This is not what I was made for. And, and you can be at that destination that you've chosen and yet not be home. Jesus is the one who knows how to guide you home. You're not an accident. You didn't just happen. It wasn't because your parents just got together on a certain night. It was because before the creation of the world, God created you. And he knew you. And he knew your name. And he knew exactly what you would look like. And he loved you. 
and he's made a place for you in his home. And sin has gotten in the way, so he sent his son. Are you on the path of peace? You can get on the path of peace. You see, the path of peace is just surrendering to God in Jesus. And it's, it's saying, I'm tired of using the wrong GPS system, God. I'm tired of navigating life according to my own wisdom. I, I give up. It's not working. I surrender to you. I give you my life. Forgive me for my sin. And it doesn't have to be those exact words, but that needs to be what's the, coming from your heart. And that's what God is waiting for, to come into your life and to guide you and to guide your family into peace. Christmas is not about us reaching up for God. It's about God reaching down for us in the most unusual way to send a child who will be crushed so that we could have peace. Peace in our hearts, peace with each other, peace with God. We give gifts at Christmas because we remember that this is God's gift for us. And so my prayer, my hope is this Christmas, if you've never received that gift, you would receive the gift. And you would say, Jesus, I want to receive your gift. Bring peace into my life. And if you've already received that peace, my hope is that you would be filled with so much joy and maybe you've wandered from the path of peace. Maybe you've wandered into your own path. Maybe even though you know that Jesus is the way home, you've been using another device for your GPS. Let this Christmas be the Christmas where you let go of your own navigational systems and return to the path of peace and allow him to guide you. Let's pray. God, there is no one like you. There is no one who loves like you. And Lord, I, I pray that each one of us here would make the choice to believe in your son. And I pray that we would give up our false navigation systems for Christ believing that he will guide us in the path of peace. Lord, help us to remember this Christmas that you gave us this gift as a gift for us to receive and you won't force us, you don't make us, but you offer Jesus to us. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.